Coming up next. So taking that time to reflect on what you actually want to achieve or learn or develop or try and come up with a plan and a strategy that you can then put into play in order to achieve some of that is time well spent. The Job Talk podcast shares stories from people who are passionate and love what they do in their careers. Through conversation, we explore their careers, past work experiences, and the education that got them to where they are now. We are putting together a Career Crisis Ultimate interview series. We are asking experts to give their best advice and guidance around work anxiety, career pressures, career goal setting, and ultimately career transformation. To learn more about this special interview series and get notified when it's available, please visit our webpage at thejobtalk.com slash help. Today's guest is Trevor Baker. Here's our job talk with a recruiter. I, I have a sense of what you do, but you have what I consider to be kind of a growing up person's job, uh, something that I never achieved. Could we You're just start off? Old. i'm sure young at heart i'm young at heart yes okay could you let's start off by just kind of explaining what what you do what is your job yeah for sure so my job in a nutshell is really to try and solve companies problems from a human resources standpoint by finding them people that can join their organizations and do the work required to further their objectives in the organization Uh, That's on one half. And then on the other half is I work with amazing people every day to help them on their career journey to get from where they are today to where they want to go tomorrow by making introductions and facilitating the transaction between an individual joining an organization to solve whatever problem the company needs solved and to better the career of the individual that's moving into the role. Perfect summary. Let's. (laughs) It's way harder than that sounded, but uh, that's the nuts and bolts. (laughs) Let's back up to when you left grade 12, what was your post-secondary journey? Yeah, so uh, when I left grade 12, uh, the journey was to go and become a police officer. Uh, That lasted one semester at school in criminal justice uh, in Victoria, where I realized it was probably the most boring subject matter on the planet. Um, But I took a lot of interesting uh, thought processes out of it, mostly around psychology and sociology. Uh, Then I moved over to Ontario, went to Western, I did a degree out there in geography, which is completely unrelated to anything I do today. Uh, But it was a super interesting subject matter and uh, finished that up and then started the workforce, which was uh, joining a company uh, that most people would know in their early 20s called the Bat Brewing, which uh, at the time I was selling Kokanee and Budweiser on Vancouver Island, a branded van. It was very popular. Uh, So I sold beer for a while, uh, moved from there into uh, a company called SC Johnson and went from selling uh selling beer to selling uh toilet bowl cleaners and air fresheners and things i thought i'd made a huge career mistake but it turned out to be the best experience ever Uh, se johnson was an amazing organization and uh, i met a number of great people there including uh the fellow bruce mcdonald who's uh, the company that i work for now is named after and uh, in that role i moved through a number of different positions and then from there i went into healthcare with a company called hoffman laroche which is a global pharmaceutical company And then after that, I uh, ended up coming back around and working with Bruce McDonald and uh, becoming a recruiter. And that was about 10 years ago. And then fast forward to today, uh, I run the Western uh, part of our organization. Yeah, we'll get into your role today. At any point when you were going through all those jobs, did you ever think that I might be in this job, this career for the next 20 to 30 30 years? Or does your mind work that way? Well, I'm... uh, 
I'm a future looking kind of a guy. So I'm always looking down the path as to what's happening next. Um, when you're in the early days of your career, it's really hard to look long-term and, and truly understand where things are going to go and what, what adventures are going to un unfold in front of you. But as I've gotten a little bit older, uh, it's become more easy to see kind of where, where the career pathway is going to go and, and self-direct towards that. And uh, I think now as I look at it, it's definitely easy to see where it's going to go. But back then, it was much harder. And it was also back then you're moved around by a lot of external forces that you don't know are acting on you. And uh, you, you, you end up going a little bit where the wind blows you, uh, which is certainly part of what happened in my case. And I think is a pretty common experience most people encounter. I was working in a government type job. So maybe in those types of jobs, you tend to kind of look more at the 20 to 30 year career role uh, because you know what's coming in every two weeks and it feels really safe at times. But when you were selling beer, what, what were the perks of selling beer when you were in your 20s? Were there perks? Oh, yeah. There's a million perks. <laughs> they don't pay all that amazing, but they sure give you a lot of benefits. Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the universals uh, through all of the sales industry typically is that there's a lot of perks, which, you know, company cars, events, hospitality occasions. Um, you meet amazing people who, who kind of seek you out as opposed to you having to seek them out. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of perks that come with roles like that. There's also a lot of expectation that comes with roles like that. So to your point about the safe government job, I wouldn't call it the safe job at all. Uh, any sales yeah. job is a job where your results are what makes you successful. And uh, you could be the nicest person in the world, but if you can't sell anything, then you're not going to get anywhere. So the expectation yeah. is performance. And if you perform, you're rewarded with all the perks. Do you handle, handle pressure well? How do you handle pressure? Yeah, I handle pressure pretty well. I think I'm a pretty good guy under crisis. Uh, how do you handle you? it? Yeah. Well, probably just kind of thinking through some of the obstacles you're going to face and what you would do if you were in a crisis. Um, I, when I was growing up as a kid, I had uh, a lot of opportunities to be in uh, crisis, mock crisis environments, uh, first aid competitions. And you know, I spent a lot of time on boats and out in the water and things happened there I was in did some time in the Coast Guard Auxiliary and things like that. So just kind of had opportunities to practice being in a crisis uh, more than most people, I would say. Um, so a lot of crisis management is, is just staying calm when things go sideways and then thinking about the opportunity to solve the problem and focusing on what the outcome needs to be. And then putting, you know, pretty quickly putting in a series of steps that you need to accomplish in order to be able to, to solve that problem. So that's, yeah. that's my method for doing it anyways. It seems to work. Sometimes <laughs> I, I feel very lazy speaking to you, but let's, let's talk about your role now. Uh, talk about the company that you're working for and kind of specifically, what are you doing in your, your day to day? Yeah. So, um, my day to day within the organization now, uh, typically we try to plan it out, you know, a quarter or a week in advance. And then the day you, you come show up at work, uh, you know, the best laid plans always fall apart as soon as you start your day. Um, so the day can get kind of thrown into disarray pretty quickly. But in general terms, uh, we spend my spend my day kind of broken into two halves. Half number one would be working with active clients on the search processes that they've engaged us to do. 
uh, talking to candidates to try and uh, you know find who's interested in the opportunities that are out there and qualifying them to see if they're appropriate. So that would take the form of phone interviews, in-person meetings, lots of time on Zoom, lots of time reviewing resumes, and, and generally just talking to people and making relationships with good individuals and finding out what t- what makes them tick and what they're all about. And the other half of the day would be spent working with the greater team, trying to improve processes within the organization, removing barriers and obstacles to their success, and trying to find new clients to work with that uh, we can engage with to help solve, solve their problems and then bringing that relationship into the organization. If I had to summarize everything that I do in a day, it's all related to problem solving, either for our organization directly or for my clients or my candidates. Yeah. How, how do clients find you? Marketing, uh, marketing online, tons of time on LinkedIn. But the real number one way clients find us is that we work very hard to uh, build a, a relationship, a trusting relationship with our clients in the market. And we do that by being experts in our field. So everyone who works in the organization is an industry vertical expert for whatever industry they came out of. So I, I came out of the consumer products and medical space. So I work in consumer products and, and medical for sales and marketing roles, uh, everything from you know, sales reps up to, uh, to the presidents of organizations. Um, and I've had I've had a lot of uh, opportunities to, to kind of experience what those jobs are like, both myself and with uh, with my clients and candidates. So I've got a nice perspective on, on what those roles require. And then I find great people that kind of fit the bucket for whatever the job is. Yeah. And what methods or tools do you use to find high performing job applicants? Again, it's really just building relationships, but a lot of it yeah. is spent doing outbound calls to people who may or may not have ever heard of who we are and trying to build and foster a relationship with them as quickly as possible. So obviously LinkedIn is the one everyone would know of. Uh, We spend a lot of time on LinkedIn trying to figure out who is out there. We spend a lot of time researching through industry associations and and trade shows and trade trade activities just to understand, you know, who's who in the zoo. And then strategically going out to try and figure out who we need to talk to and and then engaging with those individuals. Uh, And we do that all day, all the time in every activity. It becomes uh, this is a job that that transcends being in an office and turns into something that you are doing all the time with everyone. Um, Everybody needs to know a recruiter somewhere because there's a lot of good career guidance value that comes from knowing a recruiter. So we end up talking about work a lot with people outside of work and uh, you know, helping people and wherever we meet them. Do you, do you have favorite interview questions that you ask uh, job applicants? Oh, well, my favorite interview question is so, so basic. It's laughable, but it's tell me about yourself. And with that one question, I can understand a, a whole lot of information about a candidate in, in less than 10 minutes. They'll, uh, they'll show me if they know how to present themselves, summarize answers, stick to the key message points they want to deliver, um, there's so much information you can take from that one question. And so yeah. I find that the question itself is less important than the listening that comes from the answer part. And, uh, by actually paying attention to what people say, you can learn far more than they ever know you're learning. Um, you don't have to mention company names or anything specific like that, but can you tell me about one of your most challenging job roles that you had had to fill and how were you successful with it? Yeah, uh, probably the most challenging one I ever did was a C-sharp programmer, C-sharp.net programmer. Uh, I'm not a tech guy. I don't speak <laughs> tech. 
Uh, I didn't know whether I was talking to a triple A plus C sharp .NET programmer or a, an F minus C sharp .NET programmer. Uh, that was the hardest one I ever did. And the only way I really started to understand whether or not I was meeting people who knew what they were doing or not was by meeting a lot of them and comparing and contrasting them with the others that I met. And then I had to do a crash course on how GitHub worked, which I still don't totally understand, but trying to make yeah. sense of how people's GitHub's account presented versus other people's. And uh, we actually were successful in that role twice, uh, but uh, I still don't understand what that job function is. So that was probably the hardest one. So the, the key takeaway for me in that one was trying to uh, scale up my understanding of that space as fast as possible in order to provide good value to my client and understand what the candidates brought to the table. Uh, but I, I hope to not have to do one of those again because it was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> But that keeps you motivated and working towards it. And now you have that as an experience. Absolutely. Um, I am not asking you how much you make in a year because I think that's a rude question. And I feel people can go out there and uh, do their own searches to find out what what um, salaries there are out there. My, I'm curious to know how you get paid, though, because you, you work for a company. There's businesses that come to you that are looking to fill uh positions and roles. How, how does anyone make money in this business? Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually yeah. one that's uh, important for people to know as well if, as they have a uh, relationship with a recruiter, because we often get asked if the candidate's required to pay us. And it's actually illegal for us to charge a candidate any, any service fees. That, that's a recipe for exploitation. Uh, so there's no service fee to the candidate in the uh, relationship that we have with them. We get paid by the client. So the client, we're like going to the dentist a little bit for the client. They can often hire on their own, but sometimes they get into a situation where it's, uh, it's difficult or they don't know where to look uh, and they're not sure who to talk to. Or maybe they're in a situation where they can't talk to the person they want to hire and they need an intermediary to broker that exchange. So they'll call us and there's a service fee that they, uh, they get charged for that, that purpose. Uh, and then that service fee that uh, we charge them gets paid to the organization. And then that goes to the, uh, the recruiter that works on that project. Yeah. This is kind of a life advice question that I'm going to ask you. Uh, I touched on it a little bit. I, I found myself in a career for 20 years where, again, uh, I knew what was coming in every two weeks. I wasn't going to get rich uh, working there, but I, I had a lot of security, but I wasn't loving the position that I was in. What kind of advice could you give to somebody that is right at the beginning of researching, making a job change? Would, would you know, reaching out to somebody in a career like yours make sense for them or is it businesses that just talk to you and not individual? No, individuals talk to us all. That's probably 75% of our day is talking to individuals. So the, the best career advice I could, could give anybody, and this is a bit of a dated book at this point, but it's seven habits of highly effective people. The first habit is begin with the end in mind. So I mentioned earlier that people are often blown through their career where the winds take them. I'd say that's probably 70 to 80% of people's careers. They just end up where they end up. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if uh, their skill sets and their competencies are, are being maximized and, and people say, hey, you do a great job at that. You should go do more of it. Then that might work out great for them. For folks who are in an organization where they're there because the security is greater than the insecurity, um, they're often doing jobs that they've been moved into because they're available or their union rule puts them in there or whatever it is. And often they're misaligned completely and super dissatisfied. But the 
the promise of the uh, retirement package outweighs the immediacy of needing to be fulfilled at work every day, um, which is, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But the, the advice I would give anybody who's not loving their job is to try and take the time to, to reflect on what it is you actually want to accomplish in your career and in your life. Um, you spend the vast majority of your time at work every day. And if you hate what you do and it's not fulfilling, that's, that's not a very fulfilling life. So taking that time to reflect on what you actually want to achieve or learn or develop or try and come up with a plan and a strategy that you can then put into play in order to achieve some of that is time well spent. And engaging a recruiting firm of any variety, not just ours, um, there's a, 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 um, some, an onus on that individual to, to come to the table with a bit of an idea of what they want to accomplish. Uh, if they don't come to the table with an idea of what they want to accomplish, then you know we can put an, eight jobs in front of them and seven of them might be appropriate and they might take one of them, but it might not be the right job. But if they come in with a clear idea of what they want to do, then that's something that we can, you know, find opportunities to direct them towards. And when we have an opportunity that aligns, we'll know to give them a call and uh, everybody's happy in the outcome. Um, you know, the caveats to that, of course, are if you're, a, you know, a, a Safeway cashier and you want to become a, you know, a surgeon, you know, there's some work you got to do in the middle of those two things. Uh, so there's no miracle working that can be done if you're not qualified. But uh, yeah. if you've done the work to, to, if you've realized what you want to do and you've done the pre-work required to get yourself positioned for that opportunity, then a recruitment professional of the right stripe that can introduce you to the right people can be invaluable in your career journey. But uh, you need yeah. to be aware of that as you set out on the path and not just hoping someone calls you up and sorts it out for you. What could you say to that person that is just starting their job search? Yeah, I mean, the best way to prepare to do the job search after you kind of thought about what it is you're trying to achieve, the first step really is to create a resume. And uh, the resume creation process, uh, a lot of people view it as hard work, and it, it is, I guess, but it's also an awesome time to reflect on all of the things you've accomplished in your career. And uh, I see a million resumes a year, and some of them are amazing, and some of them are garbage. Um, the garbage ones are typically the ones where people type in the minimum required information into LinkedIn or Indeed and then download the PDF and send that off as their resume. Um, that's not really going to cut it. If you're serious about getting into any form of job search for any job, you need to spend the time reflecting on what it is that you've accomplished through your career. And this is valuable for a couple of reasons. One, you make a great resume out of it. Uh, and two, it really gives you the chance to kind of think about the things that you've been good at and liked and enjoyed and successful at in your career. And as you go through that process of reflecting on it and typing it all on your resume and making it look nice, uh, it kind of cements those storytelling moments into your brain so that when you sit down for an interview with someone and they give you the old, uh, tell me about a time when you did blah, 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 you can start to riff off all the stuff that you just spent hours thinking about how you were going to articulate it in your resume. And it'll make your interview that much tighter. And it'll also relate your interview technique to the resume content. And your resume content will ideally reflect the job that you're after and be somewhat tied together and showing the skills and abilities that you have related to the job you're applying for. So that process of preparing your resume, don't outsource that to a, a third party or a resume writing company. I mean, you can, but you'll lose that opportunity to sit and reflect and really kind of germinate some thoughts about what makes you awesome for the job you're applying for so that when you go into an interview, you can start to deliver that effectively. 
Yeah. What's the best way to answer the question in an interview about, let's talk about your weakness. What is the bet? What's the greatest strategy for answering that question? Cause yeah. you know, back, I would think like, I, I, uh, I'm, I, I work too hard. I put too many hours yeah, in those that's, that's from the office. Answers. <laughs> that's actually what's a good the, clip to what's rewatch. The, what's the best strategy for answering that question? Yeah. So any question you get asked in an interview, there's an underlying question that they're not asking you that they're really trying to understand. So the question, you know, what are your weaknesses? Um, the underlying question there is, is there's a couple of them. So it's not, what is your weakness? That's, that's, that's the, uh, that's the window dressing. The real question is, does this individual have any humility and are they able to call out the things that they know they're not good at? And that's what they're looking to find out. So the best way to answer it is to just be honest uh, and, and not try to create a, the reverse uh, answer where I work too hard or that kind of stuff. Like those yeah. things are, that's disingenuous. So you will, you will be read as a, uh, as a, a bit of a fraud if you talk like that. Um, a, a better answer would be to be authentic to yourself and the things that you know you're not good at. So, um, you know, so, something for me, one of the things that I'm not good at is, and this may come as a surprise, is I hate calling on the phone. I'm not a, I'm not a huge outbound phone call fan, which is weird because yeah. in recruitment, you do it all the time. So every time I pick up the phone, I have to have a little, okay, you're going to do great on this call moment. But that's my, <laughs> that's my thing that I don't love to do, but I do it all the time every day and I compensate for it with the outcomes that are always rewarding. But the initial picking up the phone part, I always... I don't know, whatever reason, it's just my own, my own thing, but that's one of mine. So, you know, that's something that can be discussed and talked about, laughed about in this case, cause it's kind of counterintuitive um, and it's authentic. But for some people that are trying to get around that question, it's gonna come off the wrong way. And then that, that underlying question will get answered, but not in the way you want. So that's a, a universal truth for any of those questions that you get asked. Do you look into a mirror prior to that uh, phone call? Like there used to be a, a Saturday Night Live skit on that. <laughs> you're good, you're good enough. You can like do this. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that. No, but I probably could, and it would be okay. Are Are there any other obvious questions that pop up in interviews like that that you could help somebody answer? Yeah, you know. You're going to get 8 million questions and interviews are never the same thing twice. But the, the key thing I would suggest that people uh, should work on, um, it's called the STAR technique. And it's a way of answering questions. And you can answer any question with this technique. It's, it's situation, tasks, actions, and results. And so a situation, this, the, the question will be something like, tell me about this thing you did or walk me through the reason why you went to that university or whatever the question is, any question. And the way you answer it with the, situ the STAR technique, situation, tasks, tasks, actions, results, is you just outline the situation kind of like a, a newspaper article. So you'd have your headline. Well, let me tell you about why I chose to go to that university. Uh, the tasks was I had to pick three universities in Ontario, two in BC. The actions I took were I sent out applications and the result was I went to, went to Western and had the best experience of my life and I got this degree and now I wanna come and work for your company and put it to use. You know, when you answer the question in that, it helps you to frame it in your mind in an organized way so that you can deliver the, the answer to the individual that's asking the question in a way that they can record it and compare it to other candidates to see how you answered it. And so every interviewer, whether they're writing it down mentally or on paper, is taking notes about your ability to answer questions. And they're taking those notes to see how you answer it, the way you answer it, and the, quant the uh, quality of the content that you answer with. 
And so if you can answer it in a way that helps them to put down their notes to compare you to other people, uh, you're going to be that much farther ahead. So the key to doing this is to have five or six great answers to questions, any question. And then when they ask you a question about why did you do X, Y, and Z, you take one of those answers that you've kind of practiced in advance and you adjust it to answer the question that they've asked. And then you introduce that storytelling moment to them and you can tell that story because you practiced it and you just adjust it to meet what they're asking and hitting on the key, key information that they're looking for. Um, but that technique really helps to summarize some of the cool things that you've done in your career and introduce that proactively into a conversation versus waiting for them to ask you that specific question you've been practicing for and they never do. You, you're taking the opportunity to introduce your skills and abilities to them proactively. Yeah. I wish I met you about year 15 into my career because the first 15 were great. It was the last five that were the concern. Um, you've been doing this for a while. When you uh, do reference checks, I mean, these, these are, you, you put a reference in, in your portfolio because they like you uh, and they're going to say good things. So can you, you've been doing it long enough. Can you filter out the BS that you might hear from, from a reference on a job applicant? Yeah, um, the BS won't usually come from a reference. If you know you have something going on when the references uh, decline the opportunity to provide a reference, you know there's something, there's a major red flag when that happens and it does happen. Um, or if a reference will agree to give the reference but gives you very little to work with, like the minimum required information. That's yeah. when you know there's uh, something going on. For the most yeah. part though, any references that are provided are going to say great things about uh, about a candidate. And um, it's a rare day when you get if you've if I've done my job properly and I have a good candidate in front of my client, it's a rare day when I get a, a reference that comes in where they say something that's completely unexpected or out of left field. And oftentimes you'll get something back from a reference, which is actually an opportunity for development for them to work on when they move into an organization. And it's not a showstopper. It's just something that, that the organization needs to know about before they start that can be accommodated for and, and developed as a, a needs improvement area rather than something that prevents them from getting the job in the first place. Yeah. Are there some legalities around when somebody asks you to be a reference and you don't want to be a reference for that person? What, is there anything illegal about saying, yes, I'll be a good reference. And then you, you give a scathing, terrible, <laughs> you know, reference on the person that asked. There's you. nothing legal uh, unless you sign a, an agreement in your employment agreement that says you won't divulge any, uh, any reference information to some on someone. Um, then there's nothing nothing preventing you from giving a reference on anyone uh, except your own integrity in saying that you're going to give them a, a good reference and then punching them in the head on the way out the door. Um, so yeah, it's just your integrity that would stand in the way of that. What, what do you love about being a recruiter and what you're doing right now? Yeah. What I love about it is that I meet all kinds of amazing people every day and I get to be a participant in people's life journey. The things that matter most to people besides family are their career, their income, their title. Uh, those are probably the you know top four things in any, any individual's uh, world. So I get to interact with people as they're excited and engaged about making a change in something that really matters to them and uh, be a participant in their life journey, which is super exciting. Um, it's especially rewarding when you have someone who really wants it and has done everything in their power to try and move into a new situation and you can help them achieve that goal, 
Um, new Canadians are awesome to work with because they are so profoundly grateful for the opportunity to move into a new situation. Um, so I, I love working with folks who are new to the country. Um, I love working with people who are, are, are genuinely kind of stuck in a, a uh, you know, a challenge that they need to resolve and they want to kind of move to that next level and helping them get there. Uh, I just love learning about people's backgrounds and then their, their interests in life and how they want to take their careers and what they want to do next. And uh, I mentioned I'm a forward looking guy. So I really enjoy that process of looking into the future uh, with people and seeing where they can take things and where they can build their dreams on the foundation that they create, uh, create through their new job. I'm guessing there's such a variety of the people that you're talking to that every day is different when you're when you're talking to them. Has has anything surprised you during your career as a recruiter that you didn't expect when you were going into it? Um, probably the biggest surprise um, is how unprepared people often are for career transition. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I had the good fortune of, of working for organizations that took the time and effort to help develop their, their employees to move into different roles throughout their career and, and really worked to carry them on a career progression pathway. Um, and I assumed wrongly that that was the case for everybody in their career. And uh, when I started doing this job, I realized that that was a, a, a fantastic gift that really helped set me up to be a recruiter. Um, but it isn't something that everyone gets exposed to. So the thing that surprised me was how ill-prepared people are to make a move into another job. Um, so getting another job is often like getting a bank loan. If you're in a crisis situation and you need the bank loan, they won't give you the money. But if everything's going great, and you don't need that loan. They're happy to give you all kinds of extra credit. Uh, it's not until your situation changes where the crisis hits and then you need to make a plan and, and make a, uh, a direction change. And so that's probably the biggest surprise is just how much people let the world direct them versus directing it themselves uh, far more than I ever expected. Yeah. What's the best advice you could give to a person considering following your career path and becoming a recruiter? Yeah, if you want to become a recruiter, have a hard think about how much stress you want in your life. Um, the second thing is you need to develop uh, a very strong ability to connect with people on a very short time frame and come to the table with a, uh, a spirit of problem solving, authenticity, transparency uh, and trust. Um, I would also suggest you need to have a fair bit of experience in sales. Sale, this job is a sales job fundamentally on both sides of the equation for the client and the candidate. You're trying to solve a problem and that problem solving process involves sales and the process of managing all of the candidate flow uh, is a sales process as well because you have to keep a lot of moving parts kind of processing in a, a productive way which is all part of the sales process. And I don't mean sales in the, the nasty evil version of it where you're trying to exploit a situation. I mean it just in the, the terms of the algorithm of moving people through a system. Um, so the sales process is critical to understand. Uh, I would definitely suggest taking some education related to psychology, sociology, coaching, training and development, leadership, human resources. All of those skill sets are invaluable to the, the process of dealing with, with people in corporate environments. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd say that that's a pretty good summary of the things you'd want to think about adding to your basket of skills before you jumped into the recruiting world. And are you continu continuing to build your education oh, while, yeah. while you're doing your job? Yeah, yeah. I, I really aspire to the whole lifelong learning, uh, thought process. 
so since I've graduated uh, my, my university grad, I've gone on to do uh, an accreditation and coaching through the ICF. Uh, I've done a, I did most of an international trade diploma. I'm currently working on getting my accreditation in human resources through SFU. Um, there's a, a whole host of other programs I'd love to get involved in downstream. And there's a whole bunch of other activities that I've done outside of that related to, you know, sports and activities with my kids and just involvement uh, on that side of things, uh, part of a number of different associations and different, uh, different uh, groups where I can contribute, which is all a learning process in and of itself. So yeah, heavily involved in, uh, in, in lifelong learning activities and just exposing myself to different ways of thought and different opportunities to grow and develop as a person. Well, You've inspired me to get off my butt and uh, continue uh, lifelong learning. I might not let my wife watch this interview because she's going to look at me. Um, Trevor, you know, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, I, I wish you continued su success in your career. Thanks very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to have a chat with you. And I wish you continued success with the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Job Talk podcast. For more information, please visit us at thejobtalk.com. Our podcast music was created by our friend Mike Malone in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada.